Welcome to the Cinephile Hissy Fit Podcast, the tirade-filled movie debate podcast hosted by two film critics, two cool dads, and two struggling, tired, exhausted, drunk teachers. <laughs> I'm Don Shanahan. Oh, uh, and I'm uh, William Johnson. I told you we're drunk people. I told you we're drunk. And naked. We're, and na- well, yeah, hey, I at least got pants on. Uh, but anyway, we're new, and we're damn glad to have you. We hope you've got your judge's scorecard. Folks, this is all about, this is all for tantrum's sake, where shared passions and high fives wash away any place for hate. In the end, we may argue, but we encourage you all to love what you love. But for now, the gloves are off and the hissy fit is on. This week, we're talking about the Russo Brothers movie Cherry, recommended by my co-host Will Johnson. Our format is this. The recommending lover goes first. They get five uninterrupted minutes to shower their praise and state their high-minded case. The hater, which is going to be me, (laughs) follows with five uninterrupted minutes of their own to present their counterpoints with any manner of intellectual or stupefying scorched earth. After that, we'll open it up for 15 minutes of shared conversation where the hissy fit really gets chippy. Folks, we're going to pop your cherries. Let's go. Oh, my God. Um, you made the porn jokes last time. I, I got to make I, the porn jokes. My this porn time. jokes are uh, not fit for air. So, um, okay. So, anyone Safe following the people. history of this podcast, this brief history we've had so far, mm. I have made no porn jokes um, because I'm a dignified person. Unlike well, but God. but a naked dignified person. Yep. Well, that's there's right. dignity. There's dignity to nudity, man. Good call. There is. Call. There, and speaking of nudity, own it. Speaking of nudity, uh, because uh, I decided to take my 12-year-old daughter to this movie because she loves Tom Holland, which may have been a mistake. Uh, There is some Tom Holland butt cheeks in this movie, but uh, is my five minutes started? Uh, I will set the timer for the five minutes. The lover shall begin. Fire away, my my friend. Okay, so anyone who knows me uh, knows that I am a Marvel fanboy. Um. I think Marvel is fascinating for the world. I'm not going to go into all this, all the stuff about Marvel right now, but the reason why I love Marvel is because it introduced my kids to so many great actors. Like my kids know who Robert Redford is and Michael Douglas, and they're introduced to a lot of varied and interesting filmmakers. Um, one of the discoveries of the Marvel universe that came out were the Russo brothers who originally came from comedy. Um, they were mm-hmm. doing a community and arrested development. And for some reason they became the go-to for these very, throwback 90s style action films with a lot of practical effects and stunt work, not the typical Marvel stuff that people think is all CGI. Um, They're also very visceral filmmakers. Like there's a lot of stuff that they do with their camera setups and their things in the Marvel universe. uh, That is very, just it's just very visually interesting. Um, So when I heard that they were going to be making a new film uh, that would not be in the Marvel universe, me being the faithful Marvel fanboy that I am, uh, basically I will follow and support both prior films and future films from anybody involved in the Marvel universe because I just respect their work on so many levels. I think I don't think anyone that works in Marvel goes for a, an easy paycheck. I don't think that they go for uh, just making their money. Um, that's why they get people like Chloe Zhao and uh, Taika Waititi and stuff like that. So I, I like the Russo brothers a lot. So I'm going to start out with that. So this should not be a surprise that I'm a Russo brothers fanboy as well. I admire their filmmaking style 
And to be honest, I was confident enough in their, in their filmmaking style that I was not worried that they would just bomb with a film that wasn't in the Marvel universe. Cause let's be honest, the last five films they've made are been in the, in the Marvel universe. And you do have a major, you know, you do have kind of set characters and a major backdrop and a studio behind you that can support you. So what are they going to do when they're on their own? Now, I may be in the minority, and I very much am. Uh, Don and many other critics do not like this movie. Mm-hmm. But I found the Russo brothers' bleak and troubling tale of drug abuse and self-destruction utterly fascinating. It had a very distinct and confident style. Um, and that is coupled with an astounding lead performance by Tom Holland. I think regardless of what anybody says, Spider-Man Tom Holland is nowhere to be found in this movie. He completely is on a different level. Um, Very realistic, heartfelt, very rangy performance. It kind of goes from lovesick, nerdy guy to, you know, war veteran to drug abuser to kind of hardened criminal. Um, Now, talking about that confidence style, many complaints have focused on the shifting narrative techniques and the grandiose camera movements, which can certainly keep the audience off balance and constantly guessing. Uh, A lot of people Mm -hmm. are not sure how to classify this film. Um, I think that's what the filmmakers are aiming for specifically. I think it's intentional. I think it's indicative of the main character's frenzied worldview, which is in itself equally off balance, constantly shifting in tone, and layered with tender moments of love and shocking moments of violence and pain. Um, one thing the Russos do really well in the Marvel universe uh, is they, they think about characters first. They add spectacle as a bonus. Uh, there were moments in this film with Tom Holland and uh, I cannot remember the actress's name. Um, she was very good, even though she looks like she's 12. Uh, <laughs> that uh, was um, Tom <laughs> Holland's uh, love interest. Um, both great actors. Um there were moments in the beginning of the film when it's just about their romance that I thought was so tender and touching. And it, it kind of reminded me of being in love when I was young and really connected with me on an emotional level. Uh, and then you add into that things that I don't know anything about. I don't know anything about the trauma or the horror of war or warfare. And I don't know how realistic it is, but it does a great job of showing the humanity of this character in the tender moments and also in the loving and shocking or in the shocking moments of violence and pain and things like that. I think the film displays the visual dynamics of the Russos. They add a flourish to almost every setup and they prove that they aren't just studio led meat puppets. They can work wonders with a small budget too. This was a small budget film. I mean, relatively speaking, it was 40 million, 30 to $40 million. Um, Whereas with Marvel, they were working with, what, $300 million? <laughs> So mm-hmm. I think, just like in the Marvel films, which shows the their amazing ability to capture a story, is that they found the humanity in the main characters first and added the spectacle as a bonus. And um, look at that. I'm an expert. That was amazing. Right there on the That edge. was pretty good. Yeah. That's your best one yet, yeah. by far, yeah. by far. No, uh, I'll switch the clock to five minutes for me and see where this goes. Mm-hmm. Well, I will grant you where you're coming from when it comes to Tom Holland. This is the best I've ever seen the young man work. He's done really good work before. I did not get to see his Netflix film, but even going back to something like the impossible, I, I knew this young man had the potential to put performances out like this one. And yes, I love your word of rangy for him, you know, for him to really stretch the puppy dog forlorn love to the 
the grizzled veteran who's you know stuck in disillusion. I get all that, and I felt all that out of Tom Holland. Fantastic for sure. But where this where this throws me off is where you've already kind of hinted at where the other critics have gone, and I have to agree with them. This is for me. I kind of my opening line of the review I wrote on Twenty Five Well said, "Cherry feels like the cinematic embodiment of the expression." throw everything at the wall to see what sticks. And I know I did see that research. I linked the article in my, in my review as well, where the Russo said, Hey, they were going for six different tones to for six different chapters of this film. But the crazy thing is like, okay, fine. I get that. But does it work? And that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah. I don't know about that. Mm -hmm. So when they pile on every trope and every trick they can to get you to notice themselves and to look like, be like, Hey, I can make something other than a superhero movie. Hey, I can make something that's dramatic. Hey, I can take all my chops and my skills and make something grizzled and, and interesting. And I can use the F word and I can, you know, do all the stuff like that. I, I admire the attempt to do that. You don't have to rub it, rub it all in every single thing you do. Like, too much like you took your cayenne pepper and you sprinkled it too far into the into the chili on this mm. one and it's just all over the place now don't get me wrong talent involved right there like i said tom holland very good cr bravo the young lady who plays his lover is very good plays by emily and you have a world-class cinematographer on this movie newton thomas siegel is legit that guy has done fantastic work for brian singer just got done doing defy bloods with with uh spike lee where mm. he has great camera work and can shoot anything you want from any angle you want. And let me tell you, he tries every single thing in the whole wide world. And I'm not saying a movie has to have a unified tone. It is six different chapters. You have dramatic shifts of character that change the situation that the person is in and the people are in. And you can do that. Does it work? And does it play? And that's where I got to the point of like, all right, this looks cool. This tries to look cool. But to what end? And I just didn't see it. Because... With having, it's like when you have six ideas, do you do any one of them or any three of them really, really good? Mm. And that's where I'm at with this movie is sure, you have a little twinkle of this with the drug abuse thing. And they try, but we've seen drug abuse done in better movies and in better places. We've seen the horrors of war done in better movies and in better places. We've seen the PTSD thing done in better movies and in better places and to larger and better degrees. All right. We've done the bank robbing you know, hard scrabble life forced into a line of crime. We've seen that done better and in better places where when you get to the sum of the parts, fantastic parts made with some real shiny things, but I can't say when you put them all together, it works. By the time you get to the end of the movie with the worst mustache, this side of the CGI mustache removal from Henry Cavill, it's just like, no, that little young guy is not a 32-year-old grizzled guy coming out of prison. Because by the time you get to that stage of the movie, we have to go through a prison years montage where, like I said, okay, fine, six different chapters, six different tones, but you throw everything at the wall just to see what sticks. And when by the time you throw everything at the wall, you have a food fight more than you have a fresco. And I just can't say it's all that sharp. I got a minute to go, but I can compliment and say it again. Tom Holland had me. Emotionally, I'm in. To see Sierra Bravo play a, a female role where sometimes that role is the suffering spouse that doesn't get much to do other than whine, complain, and cry. She's an active participant in this story in terms of the enabling and the victimizing parts and, a, and an equal addict, which is amazing to see because her vices and her, her twitches and, and ticks are, are unified to his but also still unique to herself. 
And I could tip my hat at that. But at the end of the day, yeah, I, it's one of those 10 pounds of sugar in a five pound bag. You know, mm -hmm. you're killing an ant with a shotgun. Like, go ahead there and you know, meet the ant at the ground and kind of make your story. If this movie was broken up into a miniseries where you take your six chapters and you maybe spend an hour on each one and really dig deep into PTSD more than I'm going to pepper an idea here, pepper an idea there. Or you go to the bank robbing thing and spend two episodes on that here, spend two episodes on that there and really dig deeper. I would buy it. But as just a excessively long two hour, 20 minute film that tries to pack its 10 pounds of sugar in a bag. Nah, didn't do it. Wow. Look at that expert. Yeah. Not bad, not bad. It helps I get to look at the clock. I'm yeah, cheating. Yeah, that's true. Uh, all right, all right, all right. Now, not much of a history. 15 minutes? Open convo. I'll start that clock now. Not much of a history pivot because I actually, this is weird. Um, because yeah. I actually totally agree with you. Uh, Ooh, in a sense. Compelling argument. I mean, okay. here's the thing. I believe both yeah. can be true. I believe the Russo. I, you know what? I do too, and I'll meet you in the middle there. Yeah, I believe the Russo brothers are under a lot of pressure. A friend of mine mm. named Ben said that they're kind of on a pedestal right now because when you come off the, well, now it's the second highest grossing film of all time. Um, right. You know, you're going to be on a pedestal no matter what. Uh, and there mm -hmm. is a lot of pressure on the Russos to show that they are indeed not just a studio, uh, you know, studio led yes men or whatever. Um, right. So I can, I agree that, it's both showy. I agree with your start about how it is maybe overly showy, but at right. the same time, I think it fits the story. Um, sure. Now, so this is, this is why it's tough to argue with what you're saying, because Ooh. there is, there is a it. lot of stuff going on in this film. Um, yes. I also agree that it could use an editor a little bit in the last half hour, perhaps. Um, For me, it was the first half hour. Like, I know the lovey-dovey love story brings you into the character. I can trim the first 20 minutes of the movie, too. Yeah. Now, I also think that the film does play with... I don't know Ciara Bravo from anything else. Mm -hmm. This is the first time I've seen her. I'm assuming... Same for me. I'm assuming by the fact that she's... she's She's a Nickelodeon star now grown up in like okay. 24. This know? doesn't yeah. surprise me because seeing the way that she looks and I'm not, I'm not complaining about her looks uh, because mm -hmm. she's just very young looking like she she's is. like very younger than she's cast as is what it feels yeah. like. It almost feels like a she, 15 year old playing like a 24 yeah. year old. She's the same 24 as Tom Holland. If you can believe yeah. it, normally these movies have a big age gap. Like for example, uh, who was the person, um, not Zendaya in the first Spider-Man movie, but the other love interest figure who was on like the science team. She's like back when they made homecoming, she's like 27 years old. She's like 32 <laughs> years old now where she does not look like a high schooler. You know? Right. Yeah. Um, but I hear you. Go ahead. I think that it does play with expectations. You have this kind of fragile looking girl who looks very young and mm -hmm. assumably, like you said, a star of Nickelodeon stuff. And you have Tom Holland. Now Tom Holland has been in a lot of stuff before he was Spider-Man. But people mm -hmm. know him as kind of aw shucks, goofy Spider-Man. So right. I do think that the story uh, is showy in that sense, too. It's like, look what we can make these these fragile, goofy people do in our movie. Mm -hmm. You know, so I do think yeah. that is a little manipulative as well. You know, part of the draw is, is Tom Holland going to pull this off? You know, is he going to be able to pull off an emotional story like this without resorting yeah. to being a Spider-Man type? 
Um, and that's the danger of typecasting. That now this is great because it is a showcase for him. He is a fantastic actor. I think yeah. he's going to be. And I places. thought he did great. Yeah, like yeah. this is an anti Spider-Man role that that suits him. Like he still gets to play a young guy going over to war, and he takes that baby face and he works it. But he works it by the time that he commits himself to the to the dope life section of the movie yeah. and commits to the current crime section of the movie. It's he makes a convincing enough turn, and when he frazzles and does his ticks, man, he's good. Yeah. And I and I saw the film not only with my twelve year old daughter, which is probably a mistake, but Ooh. I did see it with probably a lot of Tom Holland. Um, it reminds me of when I went and saw Kingdom of Heaven by Ridley Scott back in the day. Mm-hmm. Everyone saw that movie that did see it. It was kind of a bomb, but uh, yeah. the, a lot of the audiences I saw it with were like um, Orlando Bloom people. Ooh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, so, two years after Lord of the Rings. Yeah, yeah. So this was the same thing. A lot of the audience was there for Tom Holland. So when mm-hmm. you get the interior of his butthole shot and the uh you know random shots of him like taking drugs and being you know showing his butt and and jerking Uh jerking off in a porta potty and all kinds of stuff it was um you know this audience was kind of in shock and i and i and i think that that, i believe i think that kind of helped me appreciate the film more too because um, it went there it it went to places that made people uncomfortable like i said they're used a lot of people know Tom Holland only from Marvel. So to mm-hmm. see him stretch like this really affected the story. Um, you know, and that's why I appreciated it more uh, on that level. Um, mm-hmm. So, yes, I totally agree with you that it's showy, but I just. Um, it's tough because I think the draw is there. I'll back you up. Like, it's compelling stuff. Like, if it wasn't so, for me, I'll admit, if it wasn't so messy and 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 just really over over directed, and I like I said, like it, if if you tone down some of the filmmaking curves and 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 moves and all that, like you got the like single color filters going where everything's red for a little bit. You got the the repetitive overhead establishing shots just to make you know, whatever town they're in, like Pittsburgh or something, look, you know, the same, you know, gray and crappy it is. Like we've, again, I said at the beginning, we've seen that before, but ha- had this movie kind of stayed on character and not, you know, and it does to a degree, but had it not be so showy with it, you've got a compelling core of a good actor really going for it with some tough material. So I could tip my hat to that for sure. It, it just... And I'm trying to think of a of a movie where, like a, a comp, you know, where uh, you've got a an actor who clearly is typecast doing something, you know, in a certain way, and you give him a daring thing, and he goes out and, and nails it with the daring part. And maybe, oh man, I'm trying to think of yeah, like, it's not because like I mean. this isn't. I, I want to say like this is a terrible comparison because I don't think it's the same at all. But like you get to like Brokeback Mountain, and you're like, wow, that's that's Heath Ledger and Jake Gyllenhaal, two Golden Boy guys who could who look like sexy magazine cover kind of actors going there and doing that. Like that's challenging stuff at the peak of their careers. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if we'll ever come back to this movie and say that this was Tom Holland's Brokeback Mountain in any kind of way. But I think this is a place where with time and the, and as the Russos refine what they can do beyond here, we might come back here and go, you know what? That's where Tom Holland maybe started to get noticed as something more than Spider-Man might, maybe not in the best, you know, resounding place, but we can go, wow, the clues were there because somehow he's going to pull off the next thing. The hard part for me with Tom Holland is I'm watching his 
his casting decisions and what what his agents point him to, and he's just going to franchise the franchise. Like I know he's got that HBO, um, not the HBO movie, the Netflix movie with um the Devil and the Inside or something like that. Devil all the time. Devil all the time. He's got Devil all the time. He's got this one, which count as challenges. But then he's going to go do Nathan Drake and Uncharted. And he did, you know, he like Chaos Walking, which is I think uh, yeah, I think that's and, like and a he, setup for something. And people want him to go be Young Bond. I'm like, dude, oh, Jesus don't. Christ, no. You know, just do Spider Man to get your paychecks and have a good time. Prove yourself in other places, and that's normally enough. But we'll see what he can do. I'm going to address two things that you mentioned. The first one it. is the establishing shots. Um, yeah, the Russo brothers are from cleveland and i believe they filmed uh-huh. it in cleveland so it's very much i do believe they did too it's very much a love note to their city which i think gets a bad Aww. rap so i actually kind of yeah. respect what they're doing there because i don't think you know cleveland is necessarily a place that you think about that often and that's kind mm-hmm. of the point it's kind of showing that there's moments yeah. where they show there's uh sections of industry in the town that are now dead um that's true. there are kind As of guys who's been in cleveland i know it yeah. yeah there's kind of like an old kind of an old neighborhood feel to it, which they kind of show. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I respected that. I actually liked that they did that. Um, okay. Um, so I was okay with that. And then um, you mentioned the fact that we've seen these ideas done better in other films. Now here's my, I, here, I have, he, I admit I have, here is my one rebuttal to that. Okay. We live in a world now in a society oh, no. Oh, no. where, um, we're basically in a forever war now in Iraq and Afghanistan. This is true. It's been going on for 20 plus years now. Uh, Ugh. you know, and yep. I think that unfortunately we don't need the nuanced detailed look into PTSD that you would when it was kind of a newer subject before. That's true. So I think the fact that it skips some of that, and mm-hmm. just automatically goes for what we know. We unfortunately, as drugs, a society, right. know he goes. what PTSD is and how it affects us. Yeah, and I, I'll yeah. I'll say this. I'll say this on the war on terror, and it's the, like because this is a forever war that doesn't have the most discernible villain that we can just point at and go, you know, other than Zero Dark Thirty and Osama bin Laden, which we've taken care of, but we're we're still stuck Mm -hmm. in what we're stuck in, is this war that is unfinished, that we don't know where it's going to end up being and reverberating to become, is a hard war to film. And I don't think we've got a good, I don't think the first Gulf War does it good either. Like, for example, Jarhead felt 10 years too late. Mm, You know, like Courage Under Fire you know, in 1995, three years or so removed from the first Persian Gulf conflict, that's that's enough topicality and timeliness to reflect on that war and still be good. By the time you get to 2005 and Jarhead, where we're already back to Iraq for two years, Jarhead trying to talk back to 1991 Iraq mm-hmm. just looks out of place. And what felt, you know, great subject, fascinating story to a degree, but it felt out of place in the wrong time. You get to like Billy Lynn's long halftime walk from Ang Lee, and we're talking about the war on terror that is currently unfinished. And you, that movie feels also too late, too inconsequential for something that we just don't know where it goes. And maybe there's always a part of this movie, and it's, you know, the war on terror that is the backdrop of it, that just doesn't feel right because the whole war hasn't felt right. And you kind of started on that too. See, I, 
see that as a it's hard to define. I see it's a hard word to define. I see that as a benefit to the film because you can really, be ambiguous. Then? Really, they don't they don't do anything. They don't define anything that yeah. the character does, and I think that is just more indicative of how how much of a cluster cluster clusterfuck that this yeah. forever war is because all they're doing is just patrolling empty territory and mm-hmm. then random things are blowing up and people's yeah. guts are out and that's just the way it is now that's true. you know so i i admit i'm that guy who probably needs a firmer foothold to feel i don't know firmer in the foothold i i my own i guess that's my own shortcoming there i hear you there because i actually kind of felt like just as the character is kind of zoned out of life He's mm-hmm. basically in the situation of which he has no idea what he's doing. Yeah. Neither does the military. There's no yeah. distinct purpose to their mission and they're getting shot at. And if you notice, right. this is a really interesting thing I found about the scene when he's in the war for the first time, mm-hmm. you never see the people shooting at him. It looks, no, you sure it, don't. It literally just seems like people are shooting at him from every direction. It doesn't make mm-hmm. any sense. And yeah. it's, I think it's done on purpose that way because I it's agree. so confusing. Yes, have mm-hmm. we seen that kind of warfare in better That's films? That's the thing. Like, I go, I go to Jarhead, and I, like I've seen that before. I go to Billy Lynn's, and I've seen that before. I go to Green Zone, and I've seen that before. Yeah. I go to the Kingdom, and I've seen that before. So, oh, yes and no, you know. Oh, I know. Kingdom reference. Peter Berg, man, he he makes this kind of shitty movie. This felt like a really high class Peter Berg movie. Whoa. Yikes. I don't know if that's what the Rooster brothers were aiming for. No, I don't think they're aiming for that at all. But like <laughs> this was a Mark Wahlberg short of taking over the show. Oh, Jesus Christ. Well, Mark Wahlberg is going to be in the Uncharted movie with Tom Holland. So, uh, well, oh, great. That means that good luck for Tom getting a word in. <laughs> I think here you're going to learn this about me as our show goes on. I think Mark Wahlberg is the most overrated single dimensional actor we've got going. Tom. Oh, absolutely. The fact that he's an Oscar nominated <sighs> actor is yeah. well, a joke the to one the... movie yeah like i'll give him boogie nights i'll give him the fighter and then everything else is boston the man well, no see here's the it. thing he was nominated for the immensely the overrated no he wasn't nominated for the fighter he was nominated for departed oh are you sure which is wanna... yes yeah he was which yeah, is where he's just playing his cussing he's self. basically yeah. just being himself in a movie that is i'm sorry i know that i just talked about marvel and now i'm gonna say mm-hmm. something bad about scorsese oh my god lynch me go ahead but Be um, my guest. uh the films of which the departed is based on are far better uh you're damn right uh, the departed is basically a greatest hits compilation of a remake mm-hmm. of a better film trilogy um, with you there and mark Wahlberg is despite getting an oscar nomination for that role is basically just doing his boston accent and really just doing a terrible job um and that's and that's a hat tip i can put on cherry is by <laughs> putting holland, by, <laughs> yeah. well no 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 but 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 by putting holland in there yeah we don't have uh somebody who we would expect to be a cliche or a stereotype because if you were to put john cena in that movie or if you were to put you know fill in the blank action star in there and, and i know tom holland's an action star with spider-man and all that but he's not a a war hero blood and guts action star right. he's plucky friendly neighborhood spider-man that movie plays better because it's not a foregone conclusion of heroism yeah absolutely yeah and to address you were sort of correct um, first of all, Mark Wahlberg is a two-time Academy Award nominated actor, which is yeah. frightening. However, he was nominated for Best Picture for The Fighter. 
Uh, um, as a producer. As a producer. Sure. So he was nominated for Best Supporting Actor for The Departed and Best Picture okay. for The Fighter. He should have got nominated for Boogie Nights a long time ago. Um, You know, he actually is very good in that film. We don't need to do a cinematic history fit about, uh, no, about Mark Wahlberg right now. But uh, yeah, uh, I, I will. Def- on that note, I will say yes. Mark Wahlberg is very good in that film because he's supposed to play kind of a uh, doofus with big dick right. energy. <laughs> That's right. And on the note of big dick energy from a man with no pants on, yes. we made it to the end of our history fit, man. We certainly have, and it was a good one. Um, yeah, look at us seeing both sides. We should call this cinephile hissy fit, you know, therapy yeah, session. A little, We're helping each other out a here. A little peek behind the curtain for you viewers out there. Me mm-hmm. and Don usually just spend each, all our time sniping at each other on Facebook and Twitter and things right. like that. And we, I think we... We call that work productivity yes. moments. Totally, I, totally, I, totally. I think that we assumed that when we would have a podcast... It would mostly just be us sniping at each other again, but I, I'm hoping that you guys are finding some uh, very nuanced, interesting opinions right. on film. Uh, and we, we do happen to disagree on many things, but uh, it's not, you know, we're not going to exactly like, you know, uh, challenge each other to the death or anything. Over no, this. no, not, not until we get to tree of life. Oh God. I can't wait for that. Uh-huh. That's going to be really fun. Oh, yeah. You've seen my take there, man. It's gonna be. Fun. I have. I can't wait. Soon, folks. Yep. Soon. If you like soon, Tree soon. of Life, and I know that many of you do because you actually have taste. Um, oh, for like what? Like <laughs> you know the the crappy bread, Manischewitz bread they give it. You know Jewish holidays. Come on, man. <laughs> I know that you guys will enjoy that episode, and that I will about I will come out victorious. But let us Keep outro doing. this mother. Yes, um, right. Follow us on Twitter at Cinephile Fits. You can follow us on Facebook at Cinephile Hissy Fits Podcast. Find both of us. We have Casablanca Don. That would be Don. And Will Joe, which is me, William Johnson, uh, on Letterboxd. We love Letterboxd. We love using Letterboxd. You can find a lot of our reviews there that we post um, on our on the website we work for, but also we just repost them or repost different thoughts or more violent, more violent, mm. uh, vulgar thoughts on things. Uh, like if you read my coming to America, um, we post teaser. teaser for an episode that already happened. We have posted right. a poll matching this episode for you listeners to weigh in on who you think made the most compelling argument to win the cinephile hissy fit. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for your captive audience and social media participation Cinephile Hissy Fits is a 25 years later media podcast brought to you by Ruminations Radio Network. If you have an erection that lasts longer than four hours, consult a doctor. Please visit rate or, review. Or watch Zack Snyder's Justice League. <laughs> That'll take your erection right away. I don't know. Some of these some of these guys on the internet probably have their erection the entire time that movie was playing. I I'm, I hate to meet those guys. <laughs> Please visit rate, review, and subscribe. If you enjoyed this show, which I know you did, we have more where that came from with interesting hosts and wonderful guests. It's all available on iTunes, Spotify, and anywhere you find your favorite shows. Well, thanks, man. See you next time. Thanks, Don. I will see you around.